Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is from our I Believe God Sermon Series. We hope that this message will be an encouragement to you, and we would love to hear how God used it in your life. And so we're studying out this idea of how our faith can affect other people. But this morning, as we come to Genesis chapter number uh, 18, Be- before we get into the passage, I, I really want to ask you, if you're like me and you suffer from the disease of indecisiveness, <laughs> how many be honest, you struggle making up your mind? Raise your hand. Okay, good. How many of you say that's not you at all? You just make up your mind. Honey, raise your hand higher. Uh, <laughs> listen, in our marriage, it's always comical. Uh, because, you know, the books say, the books say that usually the wife is the one who kind of, you know, hem haws around and, and doesn't make up decisions. Not in our marriage. She's like, hey, you know, what do you want for lunch? You can choose today. Or, or she'll be like, hey, I, I saved up. We're going to go out for dinner. I'm buying dinner tonight. What, what do we want? And I'm like, I don't care. And she's like, well, come on. You got to want something. Do you want steak? Sure. You want sushi? Yeah. Taco Bell? Yeah. McDonald's, yeah. It's the only one I'll respond no to. Man, and all that, I, I really just don't make up my mind. And, and uh, I'm reminded of the story. <clears throat> there was a preacher years ago. Actually, no, it was uh, Ronald Reagan. Yeah, uh, there, I, th- I think it was Ronald Reagan or as an old-time preacher that uh, he went to the shoe store. And at the shoe store, they asked him, well, what kind of shoes do you want? Do you want rounded edges or the, or the uh, uh, squared edges or something like that? And he said, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Couldn't make up his mind. Couldn't make up his mind. Couldn't make up his mind. And so he went back, went back the next day, and the shoe, shoe salesman had one of each. So he had one square toed and one round toed. He said, since you couldn't make up your mind, I made it up for you. And uh, I, I struggle from that. Man, not being able to make up my mind. The truth is... Even those people, like my wife, who normally make up their mind quickly, the fact of the matter is that there are some decisions that every one of us struggle with making up our mind. We struggle. We have that indecisiveness. And I'm going to kind of bring it down to us today that if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you would call yourself a believer or a follower, a disciple of Jesus. I believe that every single one of us struggle with making up our mind to just trust God. Let's be honest, when God asks you and I to take a faith step, we struggle. I know it's not very, you know, it's not very uh, spiritual to say this, but every single person from the pastor all the way down to uh, a toddler in the nursery, when we, as we grow in the Lord, that there are times when God says, I want you to do this. And we, we know clearly, and it's not an audible voice, but maybe through the preaching of the word of God or something like that, that God comes and says, here's the decision I want you to make. And we go, ah, 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 and we struggle with it. Maybe for weeks or months, some for even years. And can I just tell you this morning that that is common in every follower of God. Every single follower of God struggles with faith. 
But when you and I turn to scripture, we can find some very helpful narratives or some very helpful stories of people who have gone before us that they, like us, struggled in faith, but God helped them turn indecision into a direct step of faith. God helped them, God helped them come to the place where they said, I don't know everything, but I trust God. And I think that's a place that every one of us need to be at, where we can say, I I don't know everything. I don't know all the who's and what's and how's and why's, but I know God and I can trust him. And this morning, we're going to find somebody in Genesis chapter 18, and we're going to look at the lives of Abraham and Sarah. And specifically, Sarah, this morning, we're going to see how God came and told her, here's the faith I want you to have, and she struggled with it. And yet she's listed in Hebrews as a patriarch of faith, specifically for this decision. And so I want you to stand with me, if you would, in Genesis chapter 18, beginning in verse number 9. Genesis 18 and verse number 9. And it says this, it says, They said unto him, Where is Sarah thy wife? And he, so this is the, this is, uh, the messengers of God speaking with Abraham. Where is Sarah thy wife? And he, Abraham, said, Behold, in the tent. And he, this messenger, said, I will certainly return unto thee according to the time of life. And lo, Sarah thy wife shall have a son. And Sarah heard it in the tent door, which was behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah, they were old and well stricken in age. And it ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. She couldn't have children anymore. Therefore, Sarah laughed within herself saying, after I am waxed old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord being old also? And the Lord said unto Abraham, wherefore did Sarah laugh, saying, shall I of a surety bear a child which am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the time appointed, I will return unto thee according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. Then Sarah denied, saying, I laughed not. For she was afraid. And he said, Nay, but thou didst laugh. When I come to this passage, I kind of find myself, if I can say it, identifying with the heart of Sarah a little bit. In this, that I can find myself being hesitant, being hesitant in just all on board trust. There's times, and I hate to say it, but there's times in my life. When God says, I want you to take this step, and I say, ah, (laughs) Lord, (laughs) you uh, you sure about that one? That's where Sarah was. But we're going to find a great verse in Hebrews 11 that tells us that Sarah, she's a patriarch of the faith. So what I want us to look at this morning is how did she get from struggle and doubt and hesitation to all on board faith? And how can you and I go from the place of, God, I just don't know, to, I believe God. This morning, I think it'll be a help to us. And so I want you to pray with me with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. And let's just ask the Lord to speak to our hearts this morning. And let's just maybe pray something simple. Something simple of just, dear God, please speak to me. Dear God, please speak to me. And then would you just make a commitment that as God speaks to you, 
that you're listening to him and that you'll respond to him. Dear Lord, I want to come before you today and I want to pray that you would help us this morning. God, I'm thankful for this passage. I've been helped by this. And Lord, I pray that you just help us, each one of us today. And Lord, that you would help us to uh, understand that we all struggle with making the decisions of faith. But God, that you can give us the, the strength to do that. And that Lord, when we look at you and who you are, that we can find ourselves trusting you. And so, God, I pray that you'd bless the message. Again, if there be someone here that does not know Jesus as their Savior, I pray that you'd help them today to come to know you as their personal Savior. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can go ahead and be seated. Brian, I'm going to ask you to slip back and turn that heater off, would you? As you and I come to Genesis 18, we discover, of course, Abraham and Sarah. And uh, if you've studied any time in the Word of God or if you've studied Israel's history, then you are no stranger to Abraham and Sarah. Really, they're kind of seen as the patriarchs of the nation of Israel, and rightly so. Uh, God, God would use them to be the historical beginnings of, his, uh, of, of Israel. And uh, it all started, <coughs> excuse me, it all started. In Genesis chapter, uh, I think number 12 and number 13, that God would come to Abraham. Abram was his name. He was living in the place called the Ur of the Chaldees. And God came to Abram and to his wife and said, hey, I want you to get you up from the land and I'm gonna show you a land to go to. You don't know where it is. I, I'm not gonna show you where it is, but I'm just gonna ask you to follow me all the way. And so Abraham packs up his family and he travels and follows God and, and God brings him into what we would know as that Israeli, Israeli area now, the promised land is what it was called. God brings Abraham and Sarah into this land. But then as Abraham's there and as he's growing in, in his faith, God would come to him and, and make a promise to him. The promise that had been made to him is what we just read in Genesis 18. It's, this is the third time that it's been reiterated. The promise is that you, Abraham and Sarah, you're going to have a child. Now, I want us to look this morning and understand that while Abraham and Sarah, they're not necessarily wandering places, still kind of growing and they're not wandering and, and traveling anymore, they, but they're really not settled into this land. They're still kind of growing in their faith. And as God grows them in their faith, I want us to see, first of all, what I just said a second ago, and that's the declaration. I want us to see the promise this promise of them bearing a child. We read in Genesis 18 about the Lord reiterating that promise. Again, I said it a second ago, it's the third time that God has said to him, you're gonna have a child. You go back and you can find when that promise was first made. Genesis 15 is where you find it. Here's what was said. Genesis 15, verse one, down through verse number five, it says, after these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision, in a dream, saying, fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. And Abram said, Lord, what wilt thou give me, uh, seeing I go childless? And the steward of my house is this Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, to me thou hast given no seed, and lo, one born in my house is mine heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir, but he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. And he brought... Uh, him forth, and he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven and tell the stars if thou shalt be able to number them. And he said unto him, So shall thy seed 
be. <clears throat> Here's the story. Abraham's there. He had gone from Ur of the Chaldees to here. God had already said, I'm going to use you to make a new people. But Abram, he's an old man. He hasn't had any children. And so he comes to God, Genesis 15, and God comes to him in this dream again and says, I'm going to bless you. And Abram says, well, Lord, I know you said you're going to bless me, but I haven't had any kids yet. So how about you bless me through my servant, Eliezer? How about you bless me through him? The Lord says, no, I make a promise to you, Abram. I'm gonna give you a child, a child from your blood, a child from you. Basically in this, he's saying to Abraham, Abraham, I just declare unto you, I'm gonna make a nation of you. I'm giving you a promise. And Abraham, if you will take me at my word, I will work a wonder in your life. Now, if you didn't know anything about the background of this, you would say, well, God promising a man a child, that's not really a, that big of a deal. It's that big of a deal when that man is in his 80s and his wife is also in her 80s. It would make a big deal if that man was in his 90s and the wife is also in her 90s. It's gonna make a big deal if the man is, I don't know, let's say like 105 to 110 and his wife is, 100 to 105. If that's you and you're 100 and you're hearing this promise you're going to have a kid, you'd laugh too. Right? Well, that's the story. But the declaration is this, Abraham, I make you a promise. And if you trust me, I will work. That's the declaration. Man, what a promise. You think about this. I mean, this is something that Abraham was not expecting. This was something that would truly be a miraculous accomplishment. And it's interesting to me that God still makes some promises that will be a miraculous accomplishment. And the truth is that just as God looked at Abraham and said, if you will take me at my word, I will work in your life. The fact of the matter is that God still says that. He still says that to you and I today, that if you will take me at my word and trust me, I promise I will work in your life. You see, when we take him at his word, he can and will work wonders in our lives as well. He's going to work. But often the hard part is taking him at his word. But we still have a lot of those promises. Let's think of some of those promises this morning. I think of the promise given to all of God's people in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Here's a great promise. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not to thine own understanding. It means don't trust your own, uh, your own way of thinking and your own way of solving. In all thy ways, acknowledge him. That acknowledge him means in all your ways, take note of him. God, what do you want in this situation? God says, if you do those things, I will direct your path. I'll, I'll literally, the, the phrase direct your path, it means I will enlighten your direct, I will show you where to go. That's a great promise in scripture, isn't it? I think about this, James 1, 5, it's a promise given. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, which giveth to all men liberally, and it shall be given him. Why? Because God upbraideth not. James 1, 5. I think about the promise of Matthew four nineteen. Follow me, Jesus said this, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Hey, if you follow me, I'll help you bring people to me. 
How about Matthew 6, 33? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. God's saying, hey, you put me first, I'll take care of your life, I'll take care of your needs. Taught also in Philippians 4. How about Matthew eleven twenty eight through 29? Come unto me, all ye who labor and are heavy laden, I'll give you rest. Hey, take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Hey, that's a promise from God. Hey, you come to me and you turn to me, and I promise I'll give you rest, peace in your soul. How about John 13, 34, and 35? It says this, if I can press the right button. It says this, a new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another by this, by your love, shall all men know that you're my disciples if you have love one toward another. Here's what the promise was that Jesus said. If you love other believers, I'll show the world who I am through your love. You say, Pastor, what are all of these things? I'm simply pointing out this fact that there are a lot of promises in Scripture from God that hinge upon us by faith accepting the promise acting upon the promise, and then you know what God says he'll do? He'll accomplish the promise. And I love that. I love it. Man, there's the declaration, but I see this morning that we find the declaration, Abraham, Sarah, you're going to have kids. But I want you to notice secondly with me what I call the doubt. The doubt sets in. Abraham, Sarah, you're going to have children, but they struggle with trusting the Lord. They struggle with taking him at his word. They, they heard the promise of God, but they doubted the promise of God. And they had some, I had it listed, they had some hesitation. They had some indecision. We, we like to think this, and, and you've thought it if you've read the word of God for any length of time. I know I have. That we like to think like the people listed in scripture they're like on a different playing field. You know, we like to look at it, and I'm sitting here, I look at Isaac. I'm thinking of Isaac in the Bible. We look at Isaac in the Bible and how God worked in his life, and we like to think, you know, when God asked Isaac to do things, Isaac was like, yep. You know, when we look at like Peter and James and John or Joseph, or we look at, at a Ruth or a Boaz, or we look at a King David, or we look at a Samuel, we like to think that they were just, you know, like supernatural Christians. But can I help us out? They struggled just like you and I do. Man, they weren't supernatural. The only one in scripture who's supernatural is God and Jesus Christ. Jesus is the only one who, who, who uh, 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 we could say, well, he was supernatural. But listen, he was still 100% man. But you look at all these characters and these figures in the word of God. Man, I look at Abraham and Sarah, and I read the Bible, and I know their story, and I know what it says in Hebrews 11 that we'll see in just a second. And so I could assume, you know, well, they never struggled. But they did. They did struggle, and I want you to see it with me. Genesis 15, we read it a second ago. Abraham said, oh, Lord God, what will thou give me, seeing I go childless, and the steward of my house is this Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, behold, to me thou hast given no seed, and lo, one born in my house is mine heir. And he's saying, this, this steward, this servant should be mine heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, this shall not be thine heir. But he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. You say, what is he doing? In all of that, you know, you know what uh, Abraham's trying to do? He's trying to rationalize. He's trying to figure it out in his own mind. Okay, 
God, you said you were going to do something with me and with my family, but I haven't had a family, so I have an idea. Do it with my servant. Use my servant. What is that? Well, that's doubt. Abraham struggled with the promise. Years later, when the promise was brought up again, he struggled again. Genesis 17. God said unto Abraham, as for Sarai, thy wife, for Sarah, thy wife, thou shalt call her, not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name, shall her name be. I will bless her, and I will give thee a son also of her. Yea, I will bless her, and she shall be the mother of nations. Kings of people shall be of her. Then Abraham fell upon his face and what? Laughed. And he said in his heart, shall a child be born unto him that is an hundred years old? And shall Sarah, that is 90 years old, bear? So we know how old they were. Hey, Abraham, I'm reiterating the promise I gave you 10 years ago. When you were 90 and your wife was 80, hey, uh, Abraham, you're gonna have a child. And Abraham fell on his face. He fell over laughing. And shall Sarah, which is 90, uh, bear? And Abraham said unto God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before thee. Remember what they had done? Remember what Sarah had done? She said, hey, Abraham, we're not having kids. Why don't you go into my handmaid and have a relationship with her and have a child by her and God will bless that child? Rationalizing, trying to find a way. Listen, here's what they did. They tried to find a way to accomplish God's plan without God. Can I just caution us for a second? We do that a lot. We try to find ways to accomplish God's plan in our life without God being around it. We try to make things happen. We try to finagle our way, if you will, and try to uh, accomplish God's will on our terms, but that's not how it works. God's not gonna work through the way you and I think often. The Bible tells us that in the Jeremiah, his ways are not our ways and his thoughts are not our thoughts. They're, They're higher than our ways and higher than our thoughts. So here's this doubt. That doubt leads them. It leads them down this road of, of trying to rationalize and accomplish things on their own. You look at this, Abraham, uh, uh, it says in verse number, uh, oh, I don't know what that is, number 19 right there, 18. God said, uh, Sarah, thy wife shall bear thee a son indeed, and thou shalt call his name Isaac, and I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his seed after him. So here's what's going on. This, uh, the, this uh, uh, promise comes to Abraham and to Sarah from God and, and she laughs and he laughs. He laughs in Genesis 17. She laughs in where we read Genesis 18. It says, therefore, Sarah laughed within herself saying, am I wax old? Shall I have pleasure? My Lord being old also. Now, can I just tell you, <clears throat> when we look at this, this is not a laugh of disrespect. Can okay, I want us to understand that? Because God, God would have called them out on that. And even God saying, wherefore did Sarah laugh? He's not saying what's wrong with her attitude. The attitude in this isn't, <laughs> yeah, right. The attitude isn't a laugh of disrespect. The attitude is a laugh of doubt. The laugh of, <laughs> how could this be? We see that in her question. She's saying, am I, am I to experience the pleasure? Am I, are we to go through the... Uh, <laughs> I, I see no way of this coming to pass. It's a laugh of doubt. That was her spirit. Sarah laughs with doubt. Abraham laughs with doubt. And both of them just have this internal struggle. 
with trusting God. In their faith, it wasn't an immediate response. You know, God didn't come to them and say, you're gonna have a child, and they both went, okay, we're on board. Do you realize that there was about, I think, 18 to 25 years from the very first time the promise was given to them until they had the child? That's a long time to wait, isn't it? We spoke a few minutes ago with us just being honest, and the fact is that if we're honest with each other, we would admit that every believer struggles with doubt and hesitation. I would say that for most believers, it's an area where we may, we may be a little standoffish in admitting, again, because it's not very spiritual, but we struggle with this. And even though we may not admit it, we still struggle with it. The doubt, that hesitation, that, that trying to figure out how is all of this gonna come to pass. I think right now about Micah and Rebecca getting ready to start Ridgepoint Baptist Church in Wenatchee. And just, in just a few short months, they're gonna be doing that. And we as a church, we're excited for them. Uh, but I can feel for them on where they're at right now. Because I remember 10 years ago, it was, it was 10 years ago, uh, this, this year, 2010, when God put it on my heart. Uh, it was September, it began in February, but God confirmed it in September and October of that year. I remember when God kind of put it on my mind, Dennis, I want you to start a church. And I remember thinking, there's no way. God, you know how stupid I am. God, there's no way. God, you know, you know, I don't know anything. God, I can't do this. And God, you can't, I can't, I can't raise the money. And God, once we get the church going, we can't, I can't keep a church going. I can't, I can't, I can't. And I had all of that. You know, God reminded me, you're right. You are stupid. (laughs) You're right. You can't do it. I'm just asking you to let me do it through you. And man, I look back and you know what? That doubt during that time, it was so strong. Oh, we had, Hannah and I had faith. Oh, we were like, man, we know God's gonna do something. And then we'd go to bed at night and lay down and both of us just kind of lay there staring at the ceiling and I'd be like, are we sure this is the right thing to do? I'd probably go get a job somewhere. I probably, I'm, I still like doing teen, I still like being a youth pastor. I, I'm, I'm still crazy. That's still where, you know, youth pastors have to be crazy. That's why we have Robert around, you know, he's just a great job. But you know what I look back at? Did you amen that? I look back, I look back at, at just the idea of what God, listen, of what God was doing in my life. And man, I look at that and I, I struggled with doubt. Can I, tell, can I tell you, when we started in March of 2011, that first Sunday, I remember being back in the office and having all these bulletins printed out and having all these expectations in my mind. And I remember about 35, 45 minutes before service, I was standing in the office, no one else around. And that doubt hit me again. Am I sure this is it? And can I tell you, that doubt hit year one, year two. I remember sitting on our, kitchen, on our, on our uh, couch in our living room. And I remember looking at my wife and saying, babe, are we supposed to be doing this? Is this really what God wants for us? Man, there's this struggle. You know what happens? When God asks you to take a step of faith, it's, it's kind of built into us to struggle a little bit. And can I tell you, don't get defeated when you struggle with faith. 
That, that, that really is a deal breaker for a lot of people. Well, I guess I'm just not as close to God because here I am struggling. I, I guess I, I just must not be saved. I, I guess I just, oh, I just, uh, I, I'm going to throw, you know what, just forget it all. And we get all down on ourselves. If any of that's true, then all of these people were failures. Because the word of God is filled with people who struggled with faith. So you look here, here's they, here they are struggling in faith. Abraham and Sarah, they're having this struggling point. And I can tell you that the fact of the matter is this, that when God asks us to take steps of faith, whether they're large steps or baby steps, our first response is often, it's hesitation. Isn't it? It's hesitation. And, and we hesitate on if we can do it. And we ask questions about how and why. And we have that battle going on. But did you know even Mary, the mother of Jesus, had that battle? Oh, we like to look at Mary and just say, she, God came to her and she just trusted God. But do you remember what she said? How can this be? How is that, how is that even possible? That is not possible. And God had to remind her of this. Look at Luke 137. 137, for with God, nothing shall be impossible. I want you to read that verse with me. Everybody begin. Ready? Begin. For with God, man, nothing's impossible with God. Well, what's that verse from? This is from when the angel came to Mary and said, you're going to have a child. How can this be? Hey, with God, nothing's impossible. All right, so here's Abraham and Sarah. They've been given this promise that they, in their old age, are going to have a child, and He's going to be the father of countless people. They've received this. They know what's been said, but internally there's this hesitation, this struggle, this doubt. And you know what has to happen? They too have to be reminded that God is able. Genesis 18, 14. Here's, the prom, here, here's, how, here's their reminder. Hey, Abraham, Sarah, is anything too hard for the Lord? Hey, is anything too hard for the Lord? Hey, here you are struggling. Is anything too hard for God? No. That's an automatic answer. Of course, the, the, the question isn't to be answered in the passage, but it's God saying, hey, listen, I made the promise and I'm God. There's nothing too hard for me. I see the declaration. You're gonna have a child. I see the doubt. <laughs> are you serious? This isn't gonna happen. But I want you to notice lastly with me this morning, the decision, the decision. I want you to discover their ultimate decision to trust. And, and I want us to see this morning what brought them to that conclusion. What brings them, and specifically Sarah, what brings her to the point of, okay, I'll trust. In our passage, we're reminded of the promise that God brought to Abraham and to Sarah, and we see Sarah's doubt. But we need to know that ultimately, Sarah, she chose to trust. And here's one of the passages that brings light to how her decision came about. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse number 11. Here's what it says. Through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. Hebrews 11, it recounts for us, it's often referred to as the hall of faith because it just has a number of characters listed 
who trusted God in spite of their circumstances. And here we are reading Sarah's name. And ultimately, we know from our story that Sarah, she chose to trust God. I want you to notice just a couple of thoughts with me this morning. First of all, I see that Sarah and Abraham, they chose to trust and obey when they did not know how God would accomplish what had been promised. They didn't know how God was gonna do this. They didn't know how God was gonna work. They didn't know how God was gonna bless them with kids. They, they didn't know, all, here I am at 100 and 110 and my wife is, is 100 years old. How is this gonna happen? And yet they still chose to trust God. I want you to see number two. They chose to trust and obey when they did not know when God would fulfill his promises. Are you listening? They didn't know when God would do it. God came to them at year zero, right? They were 90 and 80 years old or 85 and 75. You're gonna have a child. Okay. 10 years later, you're gonna have a child. Okay. 15 years later, you're gonna have a child. You've been saying that. <laughs> God, when's this gonna happen? There's this doubt, but you know what? They chose to trust even though they didn't know when God would fulfill his promises. Once you notice, lastly, they chose to trust when they did not know why God was working. God, why me? God, why, do you, why, why us? God, why not Ishmael? And yet they chose to trust. So here's the question I wanna ask. What got them from doubt to decision. What got them from the lack of trust to falling upon trust and to trusting completely? I think there's a key for us and it's found in Hebrews 11, 11 and it's in the word judged. It says this phrase that Sarah received strength because she judged him faithful. She judged him faithful. The word judged, it means she deemed or she considered or she took into account that God was faithful. Now, don't miss this this morning, and I'm going to hit this thought and we'll be done, but I want you to understand that she looked back. Here's what the phrase means. She looked back and she decided with authority. She looked at her life and she said, based upon the authority of what I know about God and everything that I've struggled with and faced in my life, when I look back at God and all of that, I come to the conclusion, he's worth trusting. Here's what she said. I look back at my life, I look back at other decisions, and God has never let me down. God's never let me down. She judged him faithful. Hey, he didn't let us down when we left Ur of Chaldees. Hey, he did not let us down when we went away from him. Hey, God did not let us down when God allowed us to come back to him. Hey, God did not let us down when he gave us land. God did not let us down when he brought us servants. God did not let us down when he moved my husband. God did not let us down when we backslid. God didn't, and she's just going back and she's saying, he didn't let me down there and he didn't let me down there and he didn't let me down there. And so I can stand before you, this is, Sarah, I can stand before you and I can say, God is faithful. Amen. So you know what? I don't know how it's going to happen. You know what? I don't know when it's going to happen. You know what? I don't know why it's going to happen. 
but I believe God. I trust God. She determined that he had not let her down yet and that he was not going to start. She lets, God, she lets God's track record speak into her life. And I believe that she let the track, work, track record of God in other people's lives speak to her. And she determined, I can make the decision to trust because I'm trusting a trustworthy God. I can trust him because he deserves my trust. And can I just help us this morning understanding that in your life and my life, hey, listen, faith steps are often difficult to take. It's, it's difficult when God says, please do this. Ah, I just don't know, God. It's difficult. It's challenging. But can I encourage you through the life of Abraham and mainly Sarah this morning that you can take the step because you can trust the God. You can take the step because you can trust God. You can move forward in your faith. Why? Because it is a trustworthy God who's asking you to do that. And when the Lord asks you to take a step of faith that may seem to be impossible, sometimes it takes time to build up our faith. Sometimes it takes time to have our faith strengthened. But we must come back to the place of remembering that what was said, listen, what was said in Genesis uh, uh, 18 and verse 14 Nothing is too hard for God. Hey, nothing's too hard for him. But can I tell you this this morning? God is not in the business of failing his people. He's not in the business of failing his people. God promised to Abraham and Sarah that they would have, to, uh, uh, have, that they would have a child, but he didn't tell them, you're going to have to wait 25 years. Waiting is one of the most difficult disciplines in the Christian life, and yet true faith is able to wait on the fulfillment of God's promises. Why? Because I trust him. He is going to or win down, and I can choose to trust God even when I don't know if something is going to or when something's going to happen, how it's going to happen, or why it's going to happen. One of the greatest reasons that we can trust in those times of not knowing is because we too serve a God who's never let us down. Can I tell you this morning that God has never mistreated you? God has never left you out. God has never stepped away from you. God has never looked at you and said, well, you're not worth loving. God has never looked at you and said, you know what? You're not worth caring for. God has never looked into your life and said, you know what? I'm not gonna give you peace. God hasn't looked into your life and said, you know what, I don't want to strengthen you. God has not looked into your life and said, you know what, you're just not worth it this week. God's never done that. You know why? Because he's trustworthy. Because he is all God and he is all love. And mark it down and I say it often that God will never love you any more or any less than he does right now because his love is based completely upon who he is and who he says you are and not what you say you are and not what this culture says you are. Our God says, I love you indefinitely and I love you not determined based upon you. And that is a good thing. Because if God's love was based upon me and what I did, I could never earn the merit, the love of God. I could never earn it. And here's Sarah looking back and saying, God, you've given me this step. I don't know about it. I don't know. I just don't know. Well, how'd she get to trusting? Well, she judged him as faithful. She took into account 
who he was and what he's done. And like Abraham and Sarah, we can be what Romans 4.21 says about their situation, that they were fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. Hey, I'm, pull, I'm fully persuaded. God asks me to do it. I have a trustworthy God. And when that doubt comes up, I need to remember, I have a trustworthy God who hasn't let me down. And when that fear comes up, I need to recall, I have a God who has never, ever, ever neglected me. And when that uh, hesitation comes up, I need to recall that he is a God that has come through for me every single time. It may not be how you thought it was supposed to happen, but God has always come through for you. Well, pastor... I was praying for so-and-so and look at their life. Pastor, I was praying, I think, and I'm not trying to be ornery this morning. I was thinking of Miss, Miss Anita. I, was, I thought about the message, this message this morning. I thought about Brother Sam. I thought about Brother Sam here two years ago and, and us praying as a church family. God, heal him. God, here's a man serving you. God, here's a man of God that's just growing in his faith. And, and, God, and Brother Sam was an encouragement, wasn't he? Brother Sam, an encouragement to so many people. Brother Sam, always, every, he was like Mrs. Love, Miss Honeycutt. Brother Sam's like Mrs. Love. He'd hug me every Sunday. He'd put his arm right around me, and he'd say, good job, pastor. Even if it was horrible. I was like, Brother Sam, lying in church is a sin. Man, you know what? I look at that situation, and here we were praying. God healed him. God healed him. It wasn't the way we wanted but I can remember, and I recalled it this week, Miss Anita, I was talking with somebody about it. I remember planning Brother Sam's funeral service two days before he passed away. And he said, Pastor, I hurt for my family, but I'm looking forward to heaven. He said, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna find Peter, and we're gonna talk fishing. That's <laughs> what he said, didn't he, Anita? That's what he said all the time. I'm gonna find Peter. And we're going to talk fishing. I'm not trying to bring up something that causes emotion this morning. Not at all. But you know what Brother Sam was through all that? Brother Sam said, Pastor, I don't know why this is happening. I don't know what's going on. But boy, I sure am thankful that I'm fully persuaded I can trust God. I just trust God. Man, we look at a situation like that. We might say, well, see, God didn't answer my prayer. No, no, no. God answered the prayer. Oh, it wasn't the way we were praying. But God said, I have, a, I have something better. You say, well, how, how, could, how could Brother Sam's passing be better? I don't know. I don't know this side of heaven. I, I, don't, I, have, I have no idea this side of heaven. But you know what I do know? I can trust God. My brother passing away years ago, I'd look back and I'd say, God, why didn't you let me have a brother growing up? And how could it be better that I grow up without a brother and have to, have to be the one that finds him? Why do you let that happen? And you know what God says? You don't need to know that, Dennis. You can trust me. And so I have to come back and say, okay, I'm fully persuaded that what he's promised, he'll do. Can I tell you that you can follow God in the faith step in your life? Maybe that faith step is growth. You can grow in your relationship with him and you can trust that he'll help you experience a fulfilled relationship. 
Maybe that faith step is outreach, like we looked at this morning in Robert's class up there. And God's telling you, hey, I want you to talk to them. Talk to your aunt. Talk to your uncle. Talk to that brother. Talk to that schoolmate. Talk to that coworker. Talk to that teacher about me. Can I just tell you, you can step out by faith and talk to them and trust that God is doing the heart work. Maybe it's getting involved. You can step out and you could be involved and serve and you can trust that he's gonna use your involvement to glorify his name. Maybe it's commitment. You can step out and be more committed to him and you can trust that he will bring the satisfaction into your life that you are looking for. Maybe it's giving, like what Brother Dustin uh, taught on stewardship this morning. Can I just tell you that you can trust that when you give, God will take care of you. As a church, we're being called to trust on some things right now. I'll tell you, and it's not a, not a secret, but we have, uh, as a church family, we've been praying that God would provide us property, and, and right now we're kind of sitting in an opportunity where God might be opening some doors. But you know what we're gonna need? We're gonna need more finances for that. And as a church, you know what we're doing? We just gotta trust God. And I wanna encourage you, trust God in your own life to maybe give towards that building, that celebration offering coming up in just uh, uh, seven short weeks on our celebration Sunday, giving towards the future of Moses Lake Baptist Church. And you might say, well, God, I don't know if I can give. And here's what God says, well, just trust me. And as a church, we're having to do that. I just tell you right now this morning that God hasn't failed us. I look and, and my mind's looking at this this morning and, and this week. I'm thinking about the faith steps God's asking us to take as a church. And I think God hasn't failed us with as a church. I remember Brother Mike was here when, uh, of course, the building and Miss Honeycutt, others were around. The building was just dilapidated. And I remember looking at the roof and thinking, we can't go through winter. Winter of 2011. There's no way we can go through it. And you know what happened? Someone put a $10,000 check in for the roof. And men, the men come to me and say, pa, 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 pa. Pastor, it says roof. Man, praise the Lord. We couldn't go through another winter with the windows, and yet God raised money for the windows. We couldn't, the, the, we couldn't go through another year with those pews, and God gave us money for the chairs. And I look at all the remodels and all that stuff, and God's been faithful. Oh, let me bring one that all of us were involved in just a few months ago. On a Saturday night, when Robert calls me and says, Pastor, I think someone broke into the church. We got to go. And 11 o'clock, I come into the back of the auditorium and see the office window completely smashed out and, and many computers stolen and Brian and Samantha's car stolen and the church back, back there just trashed on a Saturday night at midnight. And we begin cleaning and I go home and go get in bed at 3.30, 4 o'clock in the morning and wake up at 6.30 or 7 and come to church. And as a church, we go, man, what's God gonna do? I mean, we need that stuff. And God said, oh, there's this little thing called insurance. I'll use them. Well, what is that? Oh, he's faithful. He's faithful. So this morning as we come, I just wanna encourage you that as a Christian, as a church, faith steps are gonna be requested. And there is gonna be some hesitation. But at the end of the day, we can choose to follow him and trust him. Why? Because he's trustworthy. And you can stay, take the step because you can trust God. Whatever faith step God is asking you to do in your life, I don't know what it is. It might be small to you or big to you. Whatever it is, you have a God who's worth trusting. And so may we, like Paul and like Abraham and like Sarah, 
I don't know how, I don't know why, I don't know when, but I believe God. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you would like further information about our church, please visit moseslakebaptistchurch.com.